Hey, if you would, open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Today we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Just where we left off. That's the way we do it here at Centerpoint Bible Church. We just work through books of the Bible, and we are landing today at Mark chapter 6. Somebody jokingly said to me, Matthew chapter 6, sorry. Somebody jokingly said to me, Lord, we've spent three weeks on two verses. Um, yeah, that, that happens. That happens sometimes. Well, there's this island, um, Indonesia. It's called um, East Timor. And um, there's an interesting problem that they have observed crocodiles that they worship. They, they, they are involved in the worship of crocodiles. And what they're finding is that these crocodiles are consuming people. It's a pretty significant problem, wouldn't you agree? And the, the story, though, of this, of this island community, it, it predates the June 6th article just released about this issue. In reality, uh, sociologists and, and anthropologists have, have observed this problem in this island there in the Indonesian, um, Indian, or, I'm sorry, island sort of set of islands there in the, in the Pacific Ocean. And that is this. Anthropologists went into this community, into this society, and the first ones that arrived there noticed that there were many people who were missing limbs. There'd be an old man sort of hobbling around on a cane. There'd be, a, be children that had lost an arm or two. And this was an issue. And the, the sociologist, the anthropologist who was there studying this society was trying to figure out what was going on. And he would ask the, the elders in the community, he would ask the, the, the adults in the community, what, what's happening? Why do you have all these amputees? And no one would answer him. They wouldn't answer. So finally, over time, he, he developed a relationship with, with one particular old woman, and, and he pulled her off to the side. He said, you've got to tell me what's happening. She pulled him back into her little hut, and she said, we do not speak of this problem. What do you mean that you don't speak? We do not talk about the crocodiles. Well, why don't you talk about them? They come up out of the water and they attack our children. They come up out of the water and they attack our young men. They come up out of the water and they, they pull people down to the water with them and they, they take them away. We never see them again. But it's taboo to talk about the crocodiles. See, they worshipped crocodiles. They, they, would, they would spend their lives in worship to this creature, to this reptile, and no one wanted to point to the obvious problem. And that is the thing that they were worshiping was killing them. And so it was taboo to talk about it. Well, in God's plan, as we land here, meeting at Faith Christian Academy, you know what we're supposed to talk about today? Something that you don't like me to talk about. It's taboo for pastors to talk about giving. Well, welcome to the crocodile, people. Welcome to the crocodile. Our problem is our love for things and our love for money. And it is destroying lives. The tragedy of what is happening because we are consumed with things as believers, and it's taboo 
We don't talk about it. It really is true, this next article, it really is true that if you want to catch a monkey, here's what you do. You hollow out a coconut. I think I've got a picture here for you. You hollow out a coconut, okay? You drill a small little hole in it, and you, you put a piece of bait down inside the coconut, and, and you attach that coconut to a tree or something like that, and the monkey comes along, and he puts his hand down in the coconut, and he grabs the chunk of rice or the small piece of fruit, and he will not let go. Even though the hunter is coming and is going to kill him, he will not let go of the grasp. And when he grasps onto the rice or onto the small piece of apple, his hand is too large to exit the coconut. Came across a YouTube video. I, I didn't have the heart to show it to you. Of a monkey there trapped in a coconut, flopping all around, trying to get away. And all he's got to do is let go of the rice. And he's free. The American church doesn't like pastors to talk about money. It's offensive. It's intrusive. It's annoying. It's off-putting. But folks, we have to recognize the reality you're in Matthew chapter 6. Thank you, Samuel, who's interning with us this summer for reading Matthew chapter 6. And, and Jesus says here in verse number 2, 6-2, Thus, when you give to the needy. Last week, if you were with us, I hope, I trust that you were, and you'll be here next week as we move along through this book of the Bible. Last week, we talked about the fact that that. Our giving, when we give, it's unto the Lord, and Jesus calls for us to do it in secret here. And that doesn't mean you're all dressed in black and you're creeping along the floor and in the dark room and dropping money in your offering plate. That's not what it means at all. He talks about those who give to be seen by others. And we saw Jesus warning about that last week, that we are not to give to be seen by others. That's not what we are to do. But here, here, is, here is the truth, where, where there's a tragedy in our lives that, that we don't give for the praise of men. We have to understand that giving is an opportunity, folks. It's an opportunity for joy. An opportunity for joy of demonstrating to your God, not to man, not to your neighbor, not to the person sitting next to you, no, 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 no. It's an opportunity to worship your God and to celebrate your freedom from the slavery of this world. His little monkey, let's go with the rice. <gasps> I'm free. I'm free. We cannot deny the reality that in our culture right now, in the world that we are all walking and living in, the greatest form of idolatry is the almighty dollar. And Scripture is going to warn us, even today, we're going to, we're going to see today, that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that the wealthy among us, we are, we are being tempted to flee from God and to wrap our hands around the things of this world. It is a spiritual battle. And I know it's like the crocodiles. 
But this morning as I prayed for us, as I prayed knowing I was walking into a minefield, talk about giving, talk about money, that's a minefield. I know that. There is so much manipulation done over the almighty dollar. There's lying and conniving even in the church. I know that. Not in this church. Praise God for those who handle our money. And there is, there is much accountability. And we come from a heritage of people who have lived that way. But I know we can turn on the television this morning and watch manipulators and connivers who are trying to coax the dollar out of our hand. I know it's a minefield, but we need released. Listen to the words of Jesus. Before we get to Matthew 6, a lot of of preparation work here. When Jesus was explaining the parable of the soils. Remember that parable, right? The sower comes and throws seed out onto the field. Four types of soil. And Jesus describes the soil. The goal is the fourth soil. That the seed takes root and grows and produces a great, a great produce. Hundredfold. Praise God for that. Jesus explains that this, this is not a story about farming. It's a story about our heart. But listen to as he describes in Mark chapter 4, the third soil. And be challenged by this. These that are thrown among the thorns... The seed that are thrown among the thorns. These are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 2. Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Hey, everybody, I'm giving. Watch me. Watch me give. Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. We dealt with this last week. We We talked about the fact that man is broken And so is his worship. And Jesus here introduces a term to us, hypocrite. And hypocrite is actually literally a Greek word brought over into English, letter by letter by letter. So when you say the word hypocrite, you're actually saying a Greek word that was written right here in Matthew chapter 6 in the original manuscripts. And it literally means a pretender. It means an actor on a stage. And so Jesus is warning us against hypocrisy pretending to live what you preach. That's what a hypocrite truly is. They pretend to live what they preach. You may say, well, I'm not a preacher. But you live something. You believe something. And if a hypocrite, those two things don't line up. See, they pretend that they're living out their belief. But in reality... They're only an actor. They've memorized the lines. They've memorized the play. And they go through these performance, this great performance for other people to see. Jesus is going to speak of three types of hypocrisy. We're dealing with the first one today. We'll go on to the next one next week. And then the third one, the three are our giving, our praying, and our fasting. 
And when Jesus says, when you give to the needy, and gives us a warning about hypocrisy, what I want us to recognize today is that he's also given us another warning. And that's a warning to authentic giving. When you give, when you give to the needy. So here's what I want to provide for you today. I'm providing for you a Bible study that I need and you need us to work through this week. I do not have time to go through all of that, okay? So you can relax, all right? I've got a clock chasing me. I'm not going to get through all this, but I'm providing it to you so you this week will open up your Bible and see what God teaches us about giving. But go into this understanding that we don't give for the praise of men. No. We give for the joy of demonstrating our freedom from the slavery of this world. I am free from the slavery of, that I see all around me. I'm free. And I will express that in worship to my God through my giving. As I read the Bible, the Bible speaks of two kinds of giving. And I want to, I want to talk about both of those today. The first one is right out of this passage, thus when you give to the needy. This is spontaneous giving. This is you see a need and your heart is moved and you give. Spontaneous giving. And Jesus here is speaking of that and it's, it's all through the Bible. There, there is, when you give in this way, when you spontaneously give, What you are recognizing is is this is a, a reminder of God's grace. That apart from his grace, I would be in that seat. And so I see this individual who has need in their life, and I give to them. I give to them. It may be given of your dollars, it may be given of your time, but in this example, Jesus is talking about our dollars. Listen, God gives to you. He gives to you so you can give. We're reflecting our Father's nature. I want to relate to you kind of a funny story of a thing that happened to me one time. I was serving at a different church, and and it was my birthday. And an individual walked up to me and shook my hand, and when they did that, there was something in their hand. People do that once in a while. It was a $100 bill. And I said, well, what's this for? He said, happy birthday. Well, thank you. And he walked away. Soon after that, this young lady came up to me. She was an expectant, unwed mother. She opened up her heart. She had some challenges. And I said, listen, someone just gave me this money. It's not mine. Take this. Thank you, she said. And she walked away. Within a matter of days, somebody walks up to me and says, Lo, I just was proud of the Lord to just give you something. I said, okay. Now listen, this kind of thing does not happen to me very... I've got one of these stories in my entire life, okay? I've been living almost 50 years. This is the only one I got, so don't think this happens all the time. The person handed me $100. Like, what in the world? Me and a buddy are riding down the road the very next day. We're riding down I-81. There is the oldest man I've ever seen. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but a very old guy walking up the interstate... We pull over, he gets in the car, he tells us his life story, it is unbelievable. We drive him to Hagerstown, we put him on a bus, we buy a ticket and give him the change. $100, going again. You're not going to believe this, guess what happened? 
Somebody came up to me again and gave me $100. This, this $100 I gave to another young lady who wanted to buy a guitar because she wanted to play in the praise team. It happened again. And when I told the individual who gave me this $100 what happened, they said, Lo, I think you're supposed to buy something with this. So maybe God is... Now, I am not trying to act like... And if you know that if I tried to tell you, if you give, that God's going to do that in your life, you would call me out, and you should. But I think the Lord allowed me to experience that just so I could say this. God gives to us so we can give to people. And there is no joy greater than giving. If you're not a giving person, you are robbing yourself of joy. You really are. And we got to fight for joy, don't we? We have to fight for joy in this world. Part of your fight for joy is to give. Spontaneously Give. See somebody with a need? Give. This is unplanned. It needs to be prudent, okay? So we're not just giving away everything we have, all right? It's spirit-led. It needs to be prudent. It's unplanned, and it's spirit-led by, by the Lord. As God, as God orchestrates your life and you cross paths with people, give. In that way, you reflect your heavenly Father. That's one type of giving that the Bible describes. The second kind of giving, I'm, I want you to turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we're veering off of Matthew 6 for a moment, but we have to. We have to. I know, I know that in our culture it's almost taboo to talk about giving, but we have to do this because it's destroying lives. People are so wrapped up in materialism and things of this world and the almighty dollar. Whether they have it or not, by the way, you don't have to have money to be wrapped up in money. You know that, right? There have been times in my life when I haven't had anything, no money, and I was consumed with it. I was consumed with my lack thereof. You don't have to have money to love money. Your pocket can be empty, and you can be an idolater when it comes to the dollars. You might have much. You might be a person that God has blessed. Well, why has he done that, I wonder? Is it because you're smart or cute or fast or whatever? No. If you're a follower of Christ, he has blessed you so you can reflect his character by being a giving son of God. 1 Corinthians 16 talks about systematic giving. If you're there, read along at verse number 1. If, you're, if you don't have your Bible, just listen. Here's what, it's, here's what Paul writes. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia. So this is Paul's instruction. As the Spirit of God has inspired his word. This is what Paul was teaching in rooms like this. So you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there'll be no collecting when I come. What's Paul saying? He's saying on a regular basis, on a systematic basis, that we as followers of Jesus should give. There's a couple principles here we can draw from this. Number one, he says do it on the first day of the week. I think you should do this every single week. Every single week you should give. Why? It is a weekly reminder that you don't own anything. Always steward, never owner. And every time that the opportunity comes for you to give, it is you saying, God, it's not mine anyway, so here. Here. And also he says, as you Prosper. So put something aside. So there's management here. I skipped that. There's, man there's planning. 
There's plenty. It's not you wake up, you know, you wake up Sunday morning, oh, what do we got here? Huh? Okay, that'll do. No. There's planning ahead of time. Do you budget? Do you bu- on our budget, very high on the list is our giving. And that's an act of worship. Say, God, you're first. So when I lay out my budget, I'm putting that first. And as you prosper, he says, store it up as he may prosper. What is this? This is proportional giving. It's proportional giving. You decide before the Lord what it is that you want to give, and you give in proportion for how God blesses you. I'm I'm not going to recommend a percentage to you. You might want that. You might might say, Lord, tell us how much we should give. You seek the Lord on that. You seek the Lord. And then as God prospers, you give. That's, That's his plan. Now I want to say a couple things, and some of these things are familiar. I've got 10 principles that I'm not going to have time to hit, okay? But we have spontaneous and we have systematic giving, all right? But then we need to understand some truths. And then this is number three, maybe, but it might need to be number one. But it's that God, that, that, that giving, that is, does not save. No one is saved because you're giving. You, you, don't, you don't come to Christ. You're not forgiven of your sins because you give. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is very clear on that. It's not by works that we are saved, lest you could boast. So no one is going to come before the Father and have him say, hey, you gave? Oh, please, enter. Now listen, some people will be before the Father and they will say, God, I gave so much. I gave this and I gave that and I helped build this and I helped do that. Oh God, look at all that I did. Some people will say that to the Father. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Giving doesn't save anyone. But giving does accompany salvation. It does. 1 Timothy 6.10 is the passage. I'll just read it to you. Don't take the time to turn here right now. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving. Listen to the language of the Spirit of God. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves a dagger into your soul. It's this craving for money. They pierced themselves with many pangs. You know, I have met some people who were impoverished. They had nothing. In our communities, they had nothing. But oh, they had a joy. They had a joy. They, they, they knew they were forgiven. They loved the Lord. And they were living for eternity. And many of them were some of those giving people I ever met. They give. And I have met some wealthy people who have everything the dollar can buy. And they're miserable. They're miserable. Listen, it's a lie. The crocodile tears off arms. The crocodile rips off legs. The crocodile drags people into the water and we never see them again. 
careful what you worship. Turn over in your Bible a little bit more to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's see a few more principles here that, that the Spirit of God now gives us about our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are, are dynamic passages of Scripture. I spent quite a bit of time in them a month ago as I read through the book of 2 Corinthians over and over and over and over for 30 days in a row, just consuming this book and, and allowing God's Spirit to speak to my heart. And some of you joined me in that adventure, and that was a lot of fun. I appreciated doing that with you. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, there's quite a bit of teaching about giving. Quite a bit of teaching about giving. And the situation is this, that, that Paul has come from a very poor church. You know it well. Because a Bible book was written to these believers. It's called Philippians. He has come from Philippi, and they're impoverished. And they have given a great gift to be used to build up the church. And now Paul comes to Corinth, a rich church. They have and have and have and have. And he's challenging them to slay the crocodile. Now, he doesn't use that expression, okay? But that's what he's challenged them on. To, to, to have great joy in their freedom from the slavery of this world. So he challenges them to give. So in 2 Corinthians 8, let's look at verse number 2 and 3. We're going to just page through this a little bit, okay? Look at verse 2 and 3 with me. In describing these churches of Macedonia, you can see there in verse number 1, they were in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and extreme poverty. That's how you describe them. You want to sign up for that? Here's what they've got. They've got affliction, poverty, and joy. That describes the church in Macedonia. They're being afflicted. So very likely we understand this to mean that, that the powers to be are now bringing persecution on them. They're impoverished. But they have joy. How can that be possible? I, I thought money brought me joy. I thought comfort brought me joy. I thought peace and ease was the goal. I thought the whole goal of my life was to just retire and just sit by the lake and put my feet up and just all oh, do nothing and just lay there for many, many years and just enjoy this world. I thought that's what brought joy. Really? Did you really think that? If you do, you're believing too many of the commercials. Look what the Spirit of God says. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth, poor people, wealth. Yes, that's on purpose. God is trying to wake us up with this, with this antithetical idea. They gave a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means. That's proportional. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. You see what they're doing? They're giving proportionally as God works in their heart. This is systematic giving. And they're also spontaneously giving as God prods their hearts. It's such a beautiful picture of why God gives us Things. Now this is not a call for us to get all of our things and next week meet here in the parking lot and burn them together, right? That's not, that's not what we're saying. 
God is your heavenly Father. If you're a dad, you know the joy of your son or your daughter on Christmas morning running down the hallway and seeing that bicycle there in front of the tree. And it's so great to give your children things that brings them joy. That bicycle is a great gift for your child. And oh man, you remember those feelings, don't you? When your child would open up that gift, something they were looking forward to, and there it is, and they look at you and they say, thank you. What a great exchange that is of emotion. So God is, God is not in the business of keeping us from, from good things. This is not a call for you to burn your belongings or, you know, burn your house or sell everything you have and go live in a cave. No, no, no. But it is to recognize that when God blesses you and gives you, to you, it is not just for you to consume meeting your own selfish fleshly desires. No. It's a worship opportunity. It truly is a worship opportunity. A couple of the things here that, that I just want to point out. Look over the next page in my Bible, 2 Corinthians 9. Paul, he's continuing here to, to make this point. Paul is, 9.6. The point is this. Paul says in 9.6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart. So our giving is to be sacrificial. We saw that this systematic giving is sacrificial, but we also see that it's investment. It's investment in God. The person who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Question. Suppose the Spirit of God this is kind of a strange thing because this doesn't really happen. But God somehow comes to you, okay? He says, I'll give you whatever you want. I'll give you whatever you want. It's all like Solomon, right? How would we describe what you would want God to produce in your life? If God promised you he was going to reap bountifully in your life, truly, this is between you and God. This is not between... Remember, we are doing this in secret. Okay? This is between us and God. Not to impress anybody else. But truly, look at your heart now. What would you request? Would it be more of the implements of slavery? Stronger bonds? Heavier coconuts? A more powerful crocodile? You know what I want? And you know what I believe you want? I and you, we as followers of Jesus, we want intimacy with God. That's what we want. That's what you want. You want closeness with your Father. You want relationship more than salvation. To know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's what you want. See, that's the new nature God is putting in you. He's conforming you to the image of His Son. And so you want to be with Him, and you want to be like Him. That's what you want bountifully in your life. If I tried to tell you, if you give somebody $100, God's going to give you $100 more, you'd call me a liar, and I would champion you for calling me a liar. However, I will say, 
Those who sow sparingly. Those who grip tightly. Those who say, mine, 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 will never reap bountifully. You won't. Not in the things that matter to a child of God. Oh, you may have more dollars than I will ever see. You may have more dollars than what anybody in this room will ever see. But you will not reap bountifully. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. And here he calls us to sow bountifully with him. And this makes us a cheerful giver. See it there? That's what this means. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. Okay, all right, here's a dollar. That's not that way at all. It's we pray before God. Oh, I invite you to this. I invite you to this. Pray before the Lord come and ask him to come and impress upon your heart and then not reluctantly or under compulsion, but give to him. And you will be a cheerful giver. You will be a joy-filled giver because you've been released from the slavery of this world. Oh, this is what he promises. This is what he promises. You know, the ultimate example of this, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he lived this out before us. We like to say that we're followers of Jesus and, and we like to say that, that we want to be like him and, and we, we trust in the fact that he's conforming us to his image. But what is that image? What is that image? 2 Corinthians 5.21 Same author, Spirit of God, using the same hand, Paul's, writing to the same church, this rich church in Corinth, he points them to Jesus. He points them straight at Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, he, being God, made him to be sin, who knew no sin. In some ways, that's poverty. Sin, the presence of sin. This is the absence of God. On Christ, God took all the sin and placed upon him, upon his shoulders, in, in some eternal understanding, all of our sin could be placed upon Jesus. He took it all. Though he was rich, he became poor for us. He took upon himself our sin. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of of God. Freedom. Freedom from the slavery of sin. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Now, you can look at the rest of those on your own time. I know that you will this week. Seek the Lord in, in his word. But if you go back with me in Matthew chapter 6, we'll, we'll wrap up our passage for this morning. Let's finish what Samuel read at the start of our time in the word. But when you give, verse number three, and when you give to the needy, this is the spontaneous giving. Implied in this is a systematic giving as described throughout the word of God. It's all through. And when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, we need to not re read this with some kind of like, 
you know, concrete, re- literal reading that, that, that rids it of all common sense. This is, the, we're, we're having a, this picture being painted for us that, that we're not saying, hey, look at my right hand, look what it's doing. The whole idea is that we don't care what people think. Listen, don't you give because you think Lowell thinks you should give. Keep that dollar for yourself. You're going to choke on it, but keep it for yourself. Give as the Spirit of God prods you. But when you do it, don't brag about it. Don't sound the trumpet. Don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. So that you're giving, maybe in secret. And your Father, who sees you in secret, rewards you. We saw last week that we're to give secretly, and I, just, I think I've got that for your blank. And, and just to finish up our sermon time together here, the last thing that, that we need to see here from verse number four is, is there's another calling here, and that is to give as unto your Father, your heavenly Father. Notice what it says there. You give in the secret, but, and, your, and your Father who sees in secret, he knows you. He loves you. He's provided exactly what you need to have. He's, he's the giver. He's given to you. If you need the blessing of more riches, he'll give it. If you need the blessing of poverty, he'll give it. Because he's got your good in mind. He's going to give you exactly what you need. That's what fathers are supposed to do. And as you give, both systematically and spontaneously, he sees. And Jesus, this is the Christ. Jesus describing the Father. The Father who sees in secret will reward you. Remember what we talked about? That nobody's saved because of their giving. Okay? But he rewards us bountifully. with himself. See the big picture, folks. See the big picture. And understand that the world offers us a lie. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we be sensitive to you. God, I, I just, you are inviting us to yourself for salvation for you, to know you, to know Jesus Christ, the one you have sent to rid us from sin. Oh God, protect us from the idols of this world, the lie of this world, that the marketers and, the, and those around us are trying to call us to things as if they will ever bring joy. They're an empty tomb filled with death and destruction. And may we see that. God, we thank you for your grace that continues to speak to hearts that are so prone to hardness. But you draw us to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.